Welcome to this online service. My name's Steve and I'm one of the leaders in church. Much has been made of the Duke of Edinburgh in recent weeks, the outcome of his life, his incredible support to the Queen. His Duke of Edinburgh award scheme has been very helpful to many people down the years. He has left a legacy. The outcome of his life has been astonishing. Another person that ended with an astonishing outcome to his life was Alfred Nobel. The Nobel Peace Prize is the supreme award given to those who have made an exceptional contribution to the betterment of the world. Other Nobel Prizes are given to those who have made outstanding contributions in the arts and sciences. But there is a story about the Nobel Prize that is rarely told. Alfred Nobel, a Swedish chemist, made his fortune by inventing powerful explosives and then licensing the format of governments to make weapons. One day Nobel's brother died and the newspaper by accident printed an obituary notice for Alfred instead of his deceased brother. It identified him as the inventor of dynamite, who made a fortune by enabling armies to achieve new levels of mass destruction. Noble had the unique opportunity to read his own obituary in his lifetime and to see how he would be remembered. He was shocked to think that this was what his life would add up to, that he would be remembered as the merchant of death and destruction. He took his fortune, used it to establish the wards for accomplishments contributing to life rather than death. And today Noble indeed is remembered for his contribution to peace and human achievement and not explosives. A remarkable example. If you or I died, what would people say in our obituary? What would we leave as a legacy? What would be the contribution of our life? That's what we're thinking about today. And legacy, we often think of legacy in terms of financial gifts that we give when we die. And that's really good to be doing that to charities. But here we're thinking of legacy in terms of a wider scope of things, our influence that we leave behind. What do we want to be remembered for? Most of us are not going to change the whole world like Alfred Noble or the Duke of, Duke of Edinburgh. But each of us can change our own immediate world. Famously, Mother Teresa says that, said that um, we can't all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Thinking about legacy can also help us to make good decisions and really our lives are made up of decisions that we make through it. Andy Stanley writes in his book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, encourages us to ask five questions in our decision-making process and this will lead to fewer regrets. One question is the legacy question. We often make decisions on the spur of the moment because we fancy this or that excites us or maybe out of perhaps even anger. But he encourages us to step back and look at the long-term result of our decisions. He asks us to ask that legacy question. 
What story do I want to tell in my life? Will I write a story I'm proud to tell people about? It is made up of one decision after another. And we have been looking at the life of Jeremiah. This morning is the last in our series and we're looking at the outcome or the le legacy of his life. I don't think he was necessarily the most gifted and talented of his generation, although he may have been. But he made one decision after another to follow after God's call in his life. He made decisions of integrity, speaking what he knew God was saying despite severe persecution and opposition. He, did, he persevered under physical and emotional pain. And I think he had a remarkable legacy and God will reward him. The obvious legacy is of Jeremiah's life is the Old Testament book that bears his name. He, you know, people have been reading this for over 2,500 years. Is it relevant for today? There is a kind of evolution of ideas that says only that which is newest is, is relevant. But actually human nature is the same. It's just expressed in different kinds of technologies. And God is the same, although Sometimes he allowed things in earlier cultures that he, he didn't really want. But basically he is the same and human nature is the same. So I think we can learn from this book. It can help us to leave a legacy in our lives. And in order to do that we need to read something of the story and find out what Jeremiah says. So today we're going to follow the story through the verses of chapter 33. So it'd be really useful if you had that in front of you, because we're going to look at that. That's going to be our roadmap for this morning's talk. The background is 587 before Christ, BC. Jerusalem is surrounded by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. So reading from Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1 to 5. While Jeremiah is still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the houses in this city and the royal palaces of Judah that are being torn down to be used against siege ramps and the sword in the fight against the Babylonians. They will be filled with the dead bodies of the people I will slay in my anger. I will hide my face from this city because of all its wickedness. That is some shocking judgment. But like most good stories, things start, start difficult and dark. And yet good comes through to the end. And that is exactly what happens at the end of this chapter. Most of this chapter and the story of Jeremiah, I think, tells us. In our verse, in verse 1, Jeremiah, our hero, is still confined in the courtyard of the guard. 
Humanly speaking, his life is nothing. He doesn't have health, wealth and happiness. It's not much of a legacy. His CV might read he'd spent time down, spent time left down a well dead. Left for dead, put in stocks, ridiculed, beaten. His own relatives plot against him and he's almost friendless. Yet he still speaks God's word faithfully. Verse 5 says about God that he will slay people in his anger and wrath. And you might say these verses of doom and gloom that Jeremiah has been saying throughout his lifetime, it's not a surprise then that people didn't like him. And who would want to know a God like this? But let's build a bigger picture. I'm going to give three reasons why we hang in there. There are many more. Don't run away from the story. Don't, please do not run away from this God. One thing we often fail to see is God's remarkable patience with these people because he loves them. You and I would have given up long ago. Jeremiah had been bringing his message for over 40 years and God had been warning his people for much, much longer. We tend to think of anger as the opposite to love, but it isn't always. In contrast, apathy, doing nothing, is the opposite to love. God's anger is because he cares and sees the mess that people are making and the mess that they're putting on other people and how they're oppressing others. So God has to do something to change the situation. The problem is one generation affects the next generation that affects the next generation it was all going in a bad way not in a good way so God has to step in and do something there was a need for a radical change and so God brings this seemingly harsh judgment upon this generation but God had warned them and God is after the next generation and people after that again to have a live a better way a more just loving way so that's the first two the third is this is that eventually when judgment comes God rarely brings judgment directly he doesn't do it even though it says that he does do it here in the verse that I read verse 5 he actually doesn't he hands them over to Nebuchadnezzar and his armies are only too willing just to come and conquer and it says in verse 5 that God hides his face. Often face is translated God's presence. And he removes his presence, if you like, when he hides his face. He removes his presence. He let them do what they wanted to do. The consequences of their sins that now come upon them. Their protection is lost. Nebuchadnezzar comes in. We know only too well that sin has consequence in our own lives. Another reason why I want you not to run away from God, this God, the God of Jeremiah, is because he is a God of incredible love and incredible mercy. I wonder, do you know what God's telephone number is? It's Jeremiah 33.3. 3. 
Call upon me and I will answer you. Call upon me and I will answer you, says God. Says, And at the end of the telephone is a God of mercy and love. And that is what Jeremiah 33 is telling us. And we're going to explore that a bit more here. The hero is not Jeremiah. The real hero is an incredible of God of love who wants to know us. So let's read again from Jeremiah chapter 33. We're just going to read verses 6 and 7. Verse 6. Nevertheless, so this is after all that judgment, God says, Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. And I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and I will rebuild them as they were before. God's mercy led to his patient over many years. But in 586... Jerusalem fell to Nebuchadnezzar and they went into exile. But verse 7 says that God would bring them back. And he does exactly that in about 538 BC under King Cyrus. We know this from the Bible and also from other historical sources. We also know that when these people came back and they began to rebuild the temple, they actually sang the words of Jeremiah 33, verse 11. Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for he is good and his love endures forever. OK. As we continue this journey through the map through Jeremiah 33, let's come back to the person of Jeremiah and his legacy and what his life was about. I want to suggest that there were three things that Jeremiah might have thought about his life. Or at least there are three things that I think about his life. And I'm going to talk about faith, hope and love. So the first one, faith. To be sure, Jeremiah was upset at the suffering and the fall of Jerusalem that happened later that year. He is known as the weeping prophet who really does care. We don't find any gloating or I told you so at the end of Jeremiah. He could look at, on his life and say that he'd done his best to serve God and to save the people from the consequences of their sin. He, he'd not just done a nine to five job, gone and grown some vegetables on his family plot of land, drunk some wine and got a suntan. <laughs> He could look back on his life and say that he'd tried to help the people. He'd lived the life of faith and done his bit. What about, what about me? What about you? Will we be faithful to God's call on our lives? Each of us have a call at least to love and maybe something more specific. Jeremiah, I think, leaves a legacy of a faithful life, a life of I'm really encouraged by Jeremiah actually because despite his incredible huge struggle that we talked about last 
week, Derek talked about, he takes his pain to God. He calls God all kinds of things. I'm encouraged by his life because though he struggled, he still managed to do it. God didn't disqualify Jeremiah because of his emotional pain. And Jeremiah didn't disqualify himself because that he wasn't all sorted. I love it that God uses unsorted people. Don't, please don't disqualify yourself because of your brokenness. Maybe you can say aloud after me this phrase. I'm called despite my brokenness. Let's say it again. I am called despite my brokenness. So that was the legacy of faith. Let's think about the legacy of hope. And this is in two parts. Well, Jeremiah's message had come true. That judgment was coming. He'd already seen this. As king after king had been taken captive in accordance with God's word through Jeremiah. He knew that God was true to his word. He didn't see the, the return of the exiles in verse 6 to 9. And yet I think he did see it in another way. He died before that return, but he saw it by faith. He knew that God's word was true. And so I think he, he had hope. Hoping an expectation of coming good based on the promises and character of God. I think Jeremiah knew that God's promises would come true. So that was hope one. Jeremiah could have hope. But I think we can have even greater hope. This is hope part two. Jeremiah gives us a legacy of hope because we can see that more of his words come true. Here in Jeremiah 33, like many Old Testament prophecies, one passage applies to a number of different time periods, time zones. We might call them horizons. You know, when you're climbing up a hill and you, you're getting really exhausted and you can just see the top of that hill and then when you get to it, it's not the top. There's another one. And then you climb that hill and you get to the top and it's not the top. There's a third horizon. Often there are three horizons in Scripture. We've seen the first horizon was the peak in King Cyrus's day when the people of God return from exile and they start to rebuild the temple. The second peak is that we see something of Jesus. And so reading again from chapter 33 verse 14 to 18. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfil my good promise I've made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line and he will do what is just and right in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it or he will be called. The Lord, our righteous saviour. The righteous branch sprout from David's line. This is a descendant of King David is coming who will bring justice and salvation. 
Much of chapter 33 is copied from other chapters in Jeremiah and the parallel passage in chapter 23 makes it even clearer who we're talking about. The Jewish commentary of the time uses the word Messiah or King as the branch and chapter 23 says that this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteous saviour. Two amazing things that Jeremiah is speaking about here. That the Messiah who's going to bring this justice and salvation, that he is the Lord, Yahweh, that Jesus, the Messiah, is actually God, the divine in flesh appeared, that God himself has come into this world. A prophecy, a, a wonderful prophecy of Jesus. But not only is he come into the world, but he is our righteousness. He is our righteous saviour. We become righteous in Jesus. It's not about our perfection. It's not about our good works. We just fail. It's that Jesus brings a righteousness by dying upon the cross for us. Again and again, the Old Testament speak of Jesus coming and bringing us back into relationship with God. We have the benefit of looking at history. We know the people of God came back to Jerusalem in 538 BC. We see that Jeremiah predicted the Messiah coming, Jesus Christ. And we have the personal, or can have an amazing personal experience of God. And so based on those two things that have come true, we can also see Jeremiah's prophecy of the hope for the future, that the Lord is bringing justice and salvation and putting the worlds to rights, to a new heaven and a new earth. And there isn't going to be any mourning or death or sickness or dying. God, Revelation in 21, that is the picture. So there is this incredible legacy of hope that Jeremiah brings to us. That sense of expectation of coming good based on the promises and character of God. But also I think Jeremiah leaves a legacy of love. Maybe as Jeremiah reflected on his life, he had a word of judgment that he'd spoken for 40 years. But actually it's spoken of God's patience and ultimately of God's love. And then maybe by the eye of faith he could see the Messiah coming and God putting the world to right. And he knew that God is love. Or in his own words in verse 11, the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And so he had spoken God's word in his life, or warning, and I think it had been one of love. Jeremiah's life had been one of love, therefore. If, the, if you remember nothing else, I want you to remember God's telephone number. Jeremiah 33.3 Call upon me and I will answer you. And who's at the end of the phone? It is a God of mercy and love. 
Yet, so, legacy, Jeremiah, faith, hope, love. Yet, humanly speaking, Jeremiah's love's life seems to end really badly. Again, the Jews of his day failed to obey the word of God given through Jeremiah. They decide to trust in the power of Egypt rather than Yahweh. And they go into Egypt, and worse still, they take poor Jeremiah with him, and he probably dies there. We don't know for certain what happened to him, but Jewish tradition says that he was stoned. And there in Hebrews 11.36, I think Jeremiah is mentioned in the role of honour. Some faced jeers, flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. Therefore, you see, Jeremiah is one of the great cloud of witnesses that we see cheering us on at the beginning of Hebrews 12. He's cheering us to say that God is faithful, God is good, God is loving. Run after God, do your thing in your time and your age. Jeremiah had a call and each of us has a race marked out for us. Each of us has a call to love, or maybe something more specific. Jeremiah lived a life of faith despite his emotional turmoil. He kept going. He persevered. And ultimately, Jeremiah, I think, was a person of hope, expectation of coming good. And we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus, like Jesus did, for the joy set before him endured the cross. I want us to end again with Andy Stanley, who encourages us to make good decisions. If we're going to make good decisions, we need, he says, ask the legacy question. What story do I want to tell in my life? Will I write a story I am proud to tell people? Will it be a story of broken relationships, of living an easy life, or bailing out on God's call on my life? Or will it be one of faith?